Season 1, Episode 6 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast, hosted by Clay Sweet and Jeff Lassette. On this episode, we will recap NCAA baseball regional play, as well as NHL, NBA, and MLB action. Our spotlight interview is with legendary sports writer Rick Cleveland. Welcome to the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast, brought to you by Robertson Brothers, located at 617 Highway 11 South in Picayune. Give them a call at 601-799-1220. Also, you can find them on the web at robertsonbrothersusedcars.com. And, Clay, uh, let's get a little uh, into a little bit of the baseball action from this past weekend. I know we had some regional games, uh, a couple heartbreaking games for you and I as, as some uh, fans, true fans uh, over here from a little team just up uh, in Hattiesburg, but let's talk about some regional play. This some big games, big upsets, and also some big victories coming out of this past weekend. Yep, uh, you look at it, Jeff. Southern Miss, as you've mentioned, uh, went one and two in their regional. Sandlin did what he has done all season long. Uh, pitched beautifully in the first game. Got a big win over Dallas Baptist, and then. Arkansas quickly uh, the next day broke the momentum for the Golden Eagles, and truly the Golden Eagles never recovered. Got down early to Arkansas, uh, lost that game uh, pretty big, and then next day against Dallas Baptist once again didn't recover, didn't play well. And so they were 1-2 and two on the weekend, and, and their season comes to a close. A, a great season when you look at the record 44-18. and 18, You were, ran a uh, regular season conference title, a tournament uh, title as well in Conference USA. Just not the finish that Golden Eagle fans would have liked with such a, a talented group. It's disappointing uh, the way that it ended, but you certainly can't be uh, disappointed in the body of the season. No, and that's – Back-to-back, I mean, we're going to just go a couple years, but that's back-to-back years that uh, Southern Miss has been in a regional. Last year was able to host one in Hattiesburg, and this this time had to go on the road. So, uh, have to give them uh, credit and, and and a lot for Scott uh, head coach Scott Berry to hang his hat on with that ball club. I mean, not the outcome they wanted uh, from the Arkansas regional, but uh, – you know, can't be too disappointed in the season. Nope, and as you said, Arkansas Regional, Arkansas will advance out of that regional. Ole Miss, we talk about disappointing. We're going to do the bad news first. For <laughs> Get it out the way. Yeah, so Ole Miss uh, ends their season as well. Tennessee Tech um, actually beat them back-to-back ball games. Ole Miss was in a catbird seat, so to speak, was really sitting good, and then Tennessee Tech, who leads the nation and wins, is able to defeat them in back-to-back games uh, there at Swayze Field to end Ole Miss's uh, phenomenal season as well. Disappointing end, but they go 48-17. and They're a number four seed overall in that tournament. Speaks to the year that the Rebels had. Won a con- uh, SEC tournament uh, championship, but uh, – Disappointing indeed when uh, Tennessee Tech is able to beat you in those back-to-back ball games and in your year. Yep, and we talked a little bit about Tennessee Tech last week uh, when we were coming into the regional, uh, talking about how they, you know, they they lead the uh, the nation in wins, but they was also leading the nation in home runs. And then we were talking about that they haven't played a lot of uh, Power Five schools, but man, when you coming in to this. Uh, to this regional as Tennessee Tech did. They end they end the regional with a fifty-two and ten record going into the super regional. And that lineup from one to nine was hitting. I mean, and hitting power five pitching uh versus Ole Miss. Yeah, they uh they showed that they belonged in a big way. And, you know, you you bring up the power numbers, and uh, we'll get a chance to hear from uh, Rick Cleveland later on this podcast, and and he speaks to uh, the way that they hit and pitched and played defense. I mean, they just put together. Those last two ball games against Ole Miss were uh, really something to behold for Tennessee Tech and really the the time that Ole Miss beat them, they took them right up to the wire. So uh, Tennessee Tech, uh, the Golden Eagles, ironically <laughs> enough, of Tennessee Tech, a really good uh, club, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go to Texas and actually end uh, end up in Omaha. They're that good. Well, and and hearing a lot of people talking coming out of this weekend, you hear them on sports radio all during the day. And they said that this Tennessee Tech Golden Eagle team is could possibly be a couple years ago 
uh, Coastal Carolina Shanna Clears team, how they come in as an underdog and underseeded. Uh, and now Coastal Carolina was a host this year. So this Tennessee Tech has got a lot to build on uh, following this following this season. Yeah, just a scrappy, gritty, uh, tough-nosed bunch that can swing it. And then, look, when, the, when they swing it the way they do and they get uh, pitching and defense, they are just brutal. I mean, they, they hit the ball so well. I saw people on message boards and social media wanting to he- see bats tested and everything. Right. I mean, that, that just goes to show how well they swung it over the weekend. And so a disappointing end uh, for Southern Miss, a disappointing end for Ole Miss – and now this club, uh, Mississippi State, who this is our sixth episode of this podcast, episode two, I can remember me and you sitting in the same spot four or five weeks ago uh, talking about will Mississippi State be able to qualify for the SEC tournament. And boy, Jeff, did they qualify and did they get hot at the right time. And here they are going to advance to play Vanderbilt in a super regional a Mississippi State club that gave up two touchdowns and two field goals, gave up 20 runs to Oklahoma on Friday afternoon. You're watching a broadcast. That gives them a 7% chance to actually make it out of that regional, losing that first ball game. And they just wouldn't quit. Back-to-back years, they lose their first game in a regional and advance to a super regional. Only team that's ever done that. Back to back years, and uh, Coach Henderson, the interim coach there, has done a phenomenal job. And the Bulldogs live to fight on and play another weekend. They'll go to Vanderbilt this weekend for that super regional. Yep. And, you know, I kind of, me myself, just talking with some guys at work, I kind of deemed the Mississippi Ball Club as the little engine that could because they started out so slow in the beginning of the year, losing the three game. Uh, series at Southern Miss, you know, a lot of games away after they were redoing their stadium and working on it, and they slowly built momentum. A couple weeks ago, like you were talking about, they were coming off of that big series win against Florida, the number one seeded team in the nation at that time, and and still went on into the regional as the number one seeded team, and that got them into the SEC tournament. And then, look, you know, a few weeks later, and they're sitting here going to go to the Nashville Super Regional against Vanderbilt. Yep, a point that Brett Hudson, uh, the beat writer for the Dispatch who covers this club, would always bring up as the way they competed against top-level competition. I believe they were 10-1 and against, like, top-10 teams, some crazy number like that, where they always rose to the occasion, and uh, they did that once again. We're really down to their final out or two in that Florida State game, and Huge home run hit, and uh, here they go as they uh, will continue on. We have to. We have to take this time, as I've mentioned, Brett Hudson will mention Davis Potter with Ole Miss and then Jason Munns with USM, and I say with. They're uh, with the Hattiesburg American as Jason Munns, Davis Potter with the Oxford Eagle, and then Brett Hudson with the Dispatch. That's our beat writers that helped us along the way cover those three schools, and we'd be remiss at this time if we didn't mention Jason Munns announced on his Twitter account today that he will be leaving the Hattiesburg American and headed up north to Memphis. So we will certainly miss Jason Munns and his coverage, his excellent coverage of Southern Miss Athletics. And he was a friend to the program. We've six episodes in. He visited with us on at least two occasions. One, he aired out and was able to feature him and his coverage of the Golden Eagle. So we'll miss Munns. We appreciate uh, Davis Potter with the Oxford Eagle and then Brett Hudson. And Brett is going to get on the road again. I was have, <laughs> He's a great follow on Twitter. Go find Brett Hudson and, and journey along with him as I enjoy following him in Tallahassee. Now he's handed over to Music City in Nashville to watch – the Bulldogs against Vanderbilt. Yep, and real quick, I'm going to run down the Super Regional sites and the teams that are playing, and they, them games start Friday, this Friday, uh, June the 8th coming up. Uh, Chapel Hill, Super Regional, you got Stetson uh, against North Carolina. Uh, the Fullerton Super Regional is Washington and Cal State Fullerton. Uh, the Corvallis Super Regional is Minnesota and Oregon State, a heavy-hitting Oregon State ball club. Uh, who was hot last year, too, and made it all the way to the College World Series, and they have their opportunity to try to do that again this year. 
uh, like we mentioned earlier, the Nashville Super Regional, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. The Gainesville Super Regional features the number one seeded team in the nation, uh, Auburn and Florida. Uh, the Austin Super Regional is Tennessee Tech and Texas, which was one that I'm going to try to keep my eyes on. I want to see if Tennessee Tech can kind of carry this uh, momentum into uh, Austin. The Lubbock Super Regional, which is Duke and Texas Tech. Duke had a big we, uh, big series this week uh, for the regionals and coming out of that one uh, to face t- Texas Tech for the Lubbock Super Regional and the Fayetteville Super Regional, which is um, South Carolina and Arkansas. And, Clay, just reading them Super Regionals, you have eight Super Regionals with 16 teams, eight left will go to the College World Series. There is – there's not a chance. There will be at – three SEC teams going to the College World Series because three out of the eight Super Regionals have SEC playing SEC. Yeah, well, when the whole conference makes the tournament. <laughs> I mean, that's a Southern Miss guy, so let's move on before I alienate all my SEC <laughs> listeners out there. But, I mean, that that's just that just speaks yeah, volume just for dominance. the SEC. I mean, I mean they, they've been – and when you look at their numbers with the numbers they put up in the first opening weekend, I mean, State, like we said, they, they come into the conference tournament. They're a low seat, barely right. make the tournament. And here they are uh, playing in a second weekend. So, they're so good and, and – and it proves, I mean, that when you lay out what they have going for them in that second weekend as a conference – uh, pretty dominant. Yep, pretty dominant is right. And Clay, I think we have we had going on this week, uh, actually yesterday as we recording this on a Tuesday this week, they had the MLB draft, and I I know you have some uh, some notes and some names uh, from from some young men that's been drafted out of the state of Mississippi and from the colleges right here in Mississippi. Yeah, I'll take just the first two rounds. I've got four names here. The first to go off the board was Ole Miss. Uh, pitcher Ryan Rollison, he went 22nd to the Rockies. Right-handed pitcher from Brandon High School, JT Gian, he's the 30th overall pick to the Dodgers. Those are both first-round guys out of our state. Uh, Second-round guy, a guy I got to cover uh, and see with my own eyes, had the pleasure of seeing Joe Gray. He's the 60th overall uh, pick. He will go to the Brewers. He's an outfielder. When they talk about five-tool players, if there was six or seven-tool, he would be that. Joe Gray, a phenomenal arm, can really run, hits with power. Uh, he is just unreal. Led his team, him and Dexter Jordan and Stinson in that game, won a state championship up for Hattiesburg High School. Uh, all his hard work pays off with a second-round draft. And then a guy we're partial to, and we've talked a lot about him through these six episodes, Nick Sandlin. For Southern Miss, the right-handed pitcher goes 67th to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Sandlin Affairs, the C Spire Affairs uh, Award winner for the state of Mississippi. He's 10 and 0 on the year. Is how he will end. One point. Excuse me. 1.06 ERA and 144 strikeouts. Uh, Rick Cleveland in the uh, backside of this podcast uh, gives him about as good a compliment as uh, as you could hear uh, from a sports writer who's seen a lot of great pitchers. And so Nick Sandlin uh, for Southern Miss gets drafted in that 67th slot to the Cleveland Indians. Yep, and I see you over there in your little – uh, notebook over there. You got some MLB, and are you wearing your baby Braves shirt again? Uh, Braves look like they uh, playing a little baseball this year. Yep, they're for real, Jeff. We're <laughs> we're on into the season now, brother. It's thirty five and twenty five are the Braves are one game up in the East over those uh, pesty Washington Nationals, but uh, they still lead that Eastern Division. The Brewers are the best uh, record over in the National League. They're 37-23. and 23. The Cubs, though, are streaking, kind of starting to nip at their heels. The Cubs have their record out to 33-23. and 23. And then when you look at the other side in the American League, just a dominant performance really from two teams in the East getting after each other, and that's the Red Sox at 41-19. and 19. And then the New York Yankees, uh, 38 and 18. That's going to be a duel. You've talked about it. We've talked about it. That's going to be ongoing uh, through the year. And then kind of a surprising club in Seattle, the Mariners, 37 and 22. 
that's that that number jumped out at me and then the astros a number kind of you expected to see 37 and 24 astros is going to be tough to deal with that's just a really good club so good baseball uh, a lot of intrigue a lot of good young players not just for my baby braves but spread spread all through major league baseball that's a good product a lot of fun to watch well and you've got young you got some more young talent coming into the farm systems of these clubs as the draft like i said was just uh you know going on with the mlb so a lot of uh, a lot more young talent coming up and and getting uh wanting to get their their shot at the major league as well something that i'm a little passionate about we talked about it a couple weeks ago was the is the nhl we're finally to the stanley cup playoffs or the stanley cup championship and i las vegas golden knights i i can't call myself a bandwagon fan because this is their first seasons but i've kind of latched on to them uh, since the very beginning that, that they said there was an expansion team coming. And then with the expansion draft in the NHL, players from other teams could get drafted by this expansion team. So players on this team have won you know, Stanley Cups and been on other teams before. And they, they're they kind of letting me, letting me down right now. They lost last night to the Washington Capitals 6-2. to two. Washington leads the series 3-1 to one and heads back to Vegas Thursday but that has to be a spark for the Washington Capitals because the Capitals have been up and down with the NHL playoffs all year. Fan base up there is really wanting something uh, to happen with this Washington club. So we'll see if Washington – I don't want to see it. Of course, I, I like I said, being attached to the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights as a fan, I want to try to see this thing. I want to see it go seven. It's just a great sport to follow. Uh, but Washington can actually close this out Thursday. 7 o'clock on NBC. If they win it at Las Vegas, they can win the series 4-1. to one. If you're listening to this, I know you're a sports fan or just a big fan of Jeff and I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm banking on you being a sports fan. But do me a favor, and Jeff talks about this with passion and with insight that I can't give you, but I know Doc Emmerich on the call of these yes. games. If, if you're into any kind of uh, play-by-play, the way that this guy describes the action – the adjectives, the, the the things that he uses, and the clarity that he describes these ball games. Listen to him on uh, Thursday night. He's he's worth tuning into, and um, my son and I have kind of gotten into it. Jess prodded us into that way, but uh, it's been a lot of fun to follow and. Doc, the best in the business, so check him out. And Washington sports, man, they need something good to happen, man. They're still talking about the Hogs back from the Redskins. <laughs> they still hanging their hat on that. And so uh, they're pulling hard for the Capitals to at least have uh, something for that sports city to talk about. Yep, and then into the NBA, uh, the Golden State Warriors are up 2 to nothing on the Cleveland Cavaliers, but the, the series heads back to Cleveland tomorrow night. Um Eight o'clock on ABC, so LeBron James comes home, and man, just a heartbreak. If you was if you watched the first two games, that's all everybody's been talking about on sports radio was the game one and game two, but the missed opportunities. LeBron James scores, I think it was fifty-one points on Friday, and comes up short. Uh, just not enough role. The role players behind him, the the guys behind him, just not doing enough. Uh, some of them don't know the score. Some yeah. of them don't know the score. Wow, I mean, dude. I mean, just. A, that was talk everywhere on sports radio. Missed the free throw, could have put it back up, could have called a timeout, whatever. They didn't, but they went lost it in overtime. Uh, but it it could very easily be 1-1 heading back to Cleveland. So, LeBron James, at 33 years old, 15 years in the league, is still at his peak. He has not declined any. I think it was a week ago in one of the playoff games against Boston, he played all 40 Eight minutes. Did not sit down at all. Be 33 years old, 15 years in the league. That's saying something right there. Yeah, he's phenomenal, Jeff. He is, you've mentioned, he went 51 points, eight rebounds, eight assists in that first game and loses. And, and with the play that Jeff's describing, uh, J.R. Smith uh, just didn't know the, the time and the, the score uh, and really – you could say he cost him a game. You never, I, I never put that on one play, but that was a missed opportunity. LeBron is unreal. You've mentioned as long as he's done it, at the level he's done it, and maybe even a tick up this year is incredible. The way he got here, he beat an Indiana team. In my mind, Indiana had the better team. He beat a Toronto team in the second round. Toronto's got a better roster. 
Then he beats a Boston team that I know has a better roster. So he's beaten in each round. I mean, Cleveland's like a three or four seed. Each round, he's beaten a better team, but they just have LeBron. And uh, it's phenomenal to see what he's done. I'm a Michael Jordan guy. We've talked about that on the podcast. When that that we're not going there on this podcast, that debate's been worn out. Right. I, it's not fair to LeBron. There's almost nothing he could do that would change me off of that. But he's making that conversation real uncomfortable well, for us, Michael Jordan. Well, and it's guys. not fair to Jordan either because he can't go back and do anything about it. Yeah. So it's just not fair to either yeah. one of them. And it's kind of a not a silly conversation. It's fun to have. We won't waste y'all's time with it. But the interesting thing about this is four straight times in this championship, Cavs versus Warriors, never been done before in any of the major sports where the same two teams have locked up four years in a row for uh, for the championship. And um, after that first game, that uh, blown opportunity, you just have a feeling that Golden State may sweep it. But I've been wrong about LeBron uh, before, so we'll see. Yep, and, you know, they always say – I think the old adjective, the adjective is they say the role players play better at home, and they are back at Cleveland for the next two games. So, if they can pull out a win here, you know, they need two. But if they can pull out one at home, I mean, that does give them life. Uh, it might put them down 3-1, which is a, a harder deficit to come back from. Uh, but it all starts tomorrow night at, at Cleveland. So, um, we'll just see uh, our, our eyes will be tuned in until the college baseball gets started Friday. We have hockey coming up Thursday and, and NBA championship coming up Wednesday. Yep, good time uh, to be covering sports. And that gets us into um, when we talk about covering sports. There's not anybody that covers sports that I followed any closer than Rick Cleveland. Uh, his days at the Clarion Ledger and uh, the different columns that he's written for them. He's now with Mississippi Today. He's a columnist for, for them, and he, he writes a syndicated column. He'll mention that at the end of our interview. But Rick Cleveland, a Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame writer, uh, he's been Mississippi Sports Writer of the Year uh, ten times. This guy's more decorated than a Christmas tree. I mean, he <laughs> he's the real deal. Um you know, he's got the nickname around as the governor, the gov, uh, for the way that he's covered this state for a long time. His dad, Ace, was uh, a big-time uh, writer in this state. So we get the opportunity uh, to visit with Rick Cleveland, and we hope that you enjoy this interview. We're blessed tonight to have Rick Cleveland uh, join the podcast, and um Rick, I know you put out an article late last night um, about just kind of the craziness that um, baseball fans in the state of Mississippi saw over the weekend that extended into Monday. What did we see exactly, Rick, over these regional weekends? Well, what, what I was referring to about it being crazy is just that after you know after the season we had where. Uh, you know, Mississippi State started so poorly, and uh, and Southern Miss and and Ole Miss, uh, particularly Ole Miss, really highly rated all during the regular season, and uh, you know, Southern sweeping State to begin uh, the season, and and State losing its head coach, and now after all that, uh, the only team left playing is Mississippi State. Uh, which, you know, the great Mississippi State baseball coach Ron Pink would sum up in, in, in two words, and it would be bats baseball. <laughs> yes, he would. You know, yeah. Well, and, and Rick, you lay out, you know, the season and all the craziness and interim coach after the coach turnover there and the sweep as you've described. But not only that, and then Mississippi State gives up 20 runs on Friday. So, you know, you I believe I was watching the ESPN broadcast and they gave the team that loses that first game like a 7% chance of making it out. And these guys have done it back-to-back years. Yeah, seven, uh, that's what the, somebody did the research on it. But if you lose the first game of the four-team double-elimination regional, you've got a, uh, a 7% chance of winning in advance. And, uh, uh, you know, the fact that State's done it two years in a row is pretty amazing. It just seems, and I think I, 
in the column that, that that they're a team that plays it, you know, plays its absolute best baseball when when their backs to the wall. They uh, don't seem like they really peak until they until they have to. They they have a uh, they have a grit factor that's really really high. They uh, and I think a lot of that a lot of it goes to their. Um, Leadoff hitter in center field and uh, Jake Mangum, who's just—I'm sure he this this will be his last baseball he plays at Mississippi State, but he sure has been—he has been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, just a phenomenal player they have, as you said, at the top of that lineup. Rick, you've been around the game for a long time, covered a, a lot of different teams, and you've seen a lot of good head coaching jobs. The job that. Uh, head coach Jerry, Gary Henderson under interim tag has done has been exceptional, has it not? It, it really has. I mean, when you consider where they were using their first three games of the season, playing so many road games to start the season, starting the SEC two and seven, getting swept at home by Vanderbilt in their first conference uh, series, uh, for him to hold it together. And then for them to make the constant improvement they've made during the season, uh, and he, you know, he's not a rah-rah guy. He's not a, uh, you know, not a real emotional guy. I think I wrote this weekend. He's he's more of a professorial mm-hmm. coach. You know, more like a professor than a than a than a coach. But uh, however he doesn't. Certainly gotten it done, and uh, you know I'm not so sure if if you had to vote it again, or I don't even know if they've had SEC coach or that, but he, in my mind, would be a, a prime candidate for him. We're visiting with legendary sports columnist Rick Cleveland. Uh, Rick's got an article out just what we're talking about the the wild weekend uh, out at Mississippi. Uh, today go out and check that article out but Rick you know we've kind of touched on the good news uh, in Mississippi State with a few of those questions let's flip over on the other side and uh, baseball's an easy game to romance and uh, sometimes at the end of romance you end in heartbreak and that's exactly what you would describe for Ole Miss and Rick I'm not sure how to describe just a, a phenomenal season and then uh, Tennessee Tech, who leads the nations and wins, wins back-to-back games there in Swayze Field. The, the only team uh, to give Ole Miss back-to-back losses at their home park all season long. Well, you know, and, and a lot of people are talking about that, uh, how Ole Miss fell flat on its face. And, and, and frankly, they didn't play their best baseball. That'd be wrong to say they did, but I think a lot of people aren't giving Tennessee Tech enough credit. I mean, they are a dadgum good baseball team that can really, really break. I mean, they, I mean, <laughs> everybody, they just go up there and hit line drive after line drive, and then uh, uh, filter in a couple home runs while they're at it. They, they are uh, terrific, and they're and they're. They're a good fielding team, and they certainly pitched it well in Oxford this year. And, and I thought you know, late last night uh, when, when Bianco, Mike Bianco, was going over to, you know, what happened, what exactly happened, he finally said, Look, that team in the other dugout is really an outstanding baseball team. You need to, you need to give them some credit. And, and, and I... I, I I agree with him. I think uh, I think Tennessee Tech earned the respect of anybody who who was there for that term. You know, they had to win four games and they had to play four games in thirty hours. They had to win three games in twenty four hours, and uh, and they had to do it against top flight competition. Uh, I can't say enough about them. Yeah, when you looked at it, Rick, and you've described it, when you look at the home runs, it seemed like everybody they ran up there had at least double digits and home runs, high batting average. But then, you know, you've seen it enough, the pitching and, and the defense, that's what you have to have in this high level of play, and they did that both well this weekend. 
Well, I think they were they played Aries baseball uh, yesterday. I mean, that's and, and, you know, in two uh, got to win ball games in high pressure situations. Uh, you know, on the other team's field, big crowd. I mean, you just can't really say enough about it. They, they, they certainly earned my respect, and I've been watching them against Texas uh, this weekend, and it would not surprise me in the least if they if they advanced to the College World Series. All right, we are visiting with legendary columnist from the state of Mississippi, Rick Cleveland. And, Rick, if you're looking at this Ole Miss club, I believe in the column and the quote from Coach Bianco after the game was this was the best team at Ole Miss that, or at any club that he had ever uh, coached. Just a phenomenal uh, regular season for the Rebs. Yeah, and, and I, I would agree. Uh, well, I would say it's one of the best two teams. I thought that his 2004 team that lost to eventual national champion Texas in the Super Regional, uh, that team that had uh, Stephen Head and Pet- Petway and and several other uh, just terrific college players, I, I'm still not so sure that wasn't his best team, but this was this team was outstanding and, and I thought had as good a chance, or really as good a chance as anybody to, uh, to do well in, in Omaha. Cause they had, you know, they don't have, they didn't really have a weak spot. They, they, uh, pitched it well, fielded it well, uh, you know, had a good hitting team one through nine. I mean, there were, there weren't any really weak spots, uh, so I, you know, I thought they had a good chance. They just—it's baseball, you know. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you, you run into a hot team at the wrong time when you're not playing your base, you know, your best, your best baseball, or you get a bad pitching performance in a, a big game, or or the other guy has his best pitching performance of the year. It just happens in baseball. I mean, the twenty-seven Yankees lost uh, forty-four times. <laughs> is is. Pretty, is that aspect of the game uh, different from anything else that uh, that you cover? Rick? Just the, I mean, the analytics and the numbers. We've talked percentages, but just in a short series or in a in a short period of time, a three game series or whatnot, just the unexpectedness of baseball. Is that just different than anything else we look at as sports fans? Oh, uh, oh, absolutely. It's it is different. It's the the, the nature of the sport is different, and you know, it's like folk. Another Ron Polkism, you know that there are no upsets in baseball. Yeah. Uh, the way the way Boo Ferris always says it's, you know, anything can happen. There's too many pebbles on the field. <laughs> you know, too many chances for bad hops. Uh, losing balls in the sun. You know, it's just things happen in baseball. It's a very fickle uh, sport, and and I think that's. Uh, at least for me, it's part of the allure of it. That's why I love it so much. You never really know what you're going to see, you know. You never know. No, the great uh, Tigers broadcaster Ernie Hardwell said, baseball is a lot like life. It's a day-to-day existence full of ups and downs. You make the most of your opportunities in baseball as you do in life. And he certainly saw a lot of baseball in his day, and I thought that was a a pretty well-put quote by him. Yeah, it, absolutely, and he he knew it. He knew it as he knew baseball about as well as anybody. And and then you know uh, the guy I quoted in today's or last night's column was Bart Giamatti, who was probably the most intelligent baseball commissioner of all time, uh, a great writer. And you know, and he said it's the it's the most cruel sport. It's cruel by design. You know the best. The best hitters in the world fail two out of three times they go to play. It's 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 a different it's a different sport, and it's still it, it it will always be my favorite sport. You know, the first job I had in life when I was five or six years old was chasing down uh, uh, foul balls at, at uh, Southern Miss games. Uh, back then, it was Mississippi Southern, but the athletic director then, Reed Green, would give me a. Uh, silver dollar every game to go to chase down the uh foul balls at the old ballpark because they 
that dad gum sure couldn't afford to lose the baseball, you know? Wow. I mean, it was, and it's a measure of how far baseball has come. I remember at the end of the seasons, they had their bats nailed together because they, back when they used wooden bats, when they ran out of them, they just started nailing the, the cracked bats together and just keep playing with those. Well, and now you look up and, every, I mean, ESPN and the NCAA, it's, uh, and we'll get your thoughts on this, but the pleasure of being able to see so much baseball over this three or four day time period. I mean, you used to not, and I'm 37 years old, but you used to not be able to see, but one particular regional, whatever ESPN had picked, but now, if you have the right devices, you can basically see every pitch of every regional, which, as a fan, is is neat and nice. But, uh, Rick, tell us that, that money that ESP and the NCAA is profiting off of um, these college athletes and then the restrictions for scholarships on Division One baseball and throughout baseball. Speak to that. I know you wrote a column last week on it, but – and and you you described it as getting up on your soapbox and that you were going to get off of it, but we'll give you one more if you would oh, yeah. a chance to jump back up on that soapbox. Oh, it's just totally it's totally unfair. I mean, uh, the scholarship limits were set back in the uh, really the early seventies, early nineteen seventies, when college baseball was just kind of a a spring hobby, you know, more or less. There were uh, uh, very few teams in the country that uh, put a lot of emphasis on it. Most schools didn't even charge for admission. Uh, you know, it, it, it was it, it was it was a drain on the athletic department. It didn't make money anywhere. But now, you know, particularly here in Mississippi, we have uh, we have three of the uh, top twelve schools in the country for attendance uh and each one of them leases luxury suites uh that aren't cheap Mm -hmm. and that have uh uh that have waiting lists to get them and they're making money and it just struck me you know it was when i wrote the column last week it was uh it was during a day when we were supposed to have baseball and it rained all day and I just, and it just occurred to me that seeing all the hotels in town sold out, the ESPN truck there, uh, knowing that all the games of the tournament were sold out and all the money that was being made and then half the players on each team don't even get half a scholarship. Hmm. It just it's, it's, it just seemed totally unfair to me. You know, baseball gets 11.7 that's divided among 27 players. Uh, and you got to field, count the designated hitter, 10 positions every day. Right. So you're fielding 10 positions, not to mention the bullpen and all that, with 11.7 scholarships. Meanwhile, basketball where you only play with five they have 13 scholarships football where you only play with 11 at a time you got 85 scholarships it's just to me it's just totally out of whack not fair and you know i'd like to see at some point i'd like to see see it addressed by the ncaa yeah and you you've mentioned ron polk a couple times during this chat that's certainly something that he has been beating that drum for how long now, Rick? Oh, for you know, ever since he, ever since I've known him, which is the first year he came to state, which would have been what nineteen seventy six, seventy five, something like that. Uh, but he's been he's been talking about uh, how college baseball is is uh, college baseball players are treated. And they're not treated fairly, and that's that's just the bottom line. And they need to do something about it. Uh, I don't know what the magic number is, but it's not eleven point seven. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think most of our, if not all of our listeners, would. I I want to speak, and, and we can't forget uh, the Golden Eagles before we uh, get you 
get you uh-huh. out of here. But we'll go back to them. Now we're speaking about NCAA and unfairness. I wanted to get your take on the major league draft going on um, while these kids are out uh, competing, trying to keep their seasons alive in, in college baseball. It's, it's, it, it, uh, I, I just don't understand why that's not addressed. Uh, there's never a more clear-cut case last night when Ole Miss is fighting tooth and nail to try to save its season. In the, and then in the eighth inning, it comes across my computer. I get a news alert that, that um, the Ole Miss left-hander, Rollison, has been drafted in the, uh, by the, in the first round, 22nd pick by the Rockies. And, you know, they make the announcement. But it's a tense game, and his college career is on the line, and he's supposed to, you know, it sh- he should be able to enjoy the moment of being drafted. Uh, and it's just a shame it happens like it does. Yeah, it was odd. Rick, me and you were watching the same thing, and and the broadcast, it was almost like a teammate came up and hugged him, and he was smiling, and his team's down three to two at that. And we've all been in competitive situation and observed compet. And it's like you want to be locked in on what your team's doing, but this has certainly got to be a dream come true for the kids. So it's just such a, a – yeah. Life-changing moment. I mean, somebody just put two million dollars in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know. So uh, it's, it just shouldn't be that way. It, that, that's not the way it should be. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know when they. I, I don't understand. I know they want to get them to camp. I know they want to get them and start fitting them into their system and everything. But maybe, maybe do it. Even in the move it back a day, right? Do it tonight or do it Wednesday. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. So it can be done, and they need to do something about it. Well, now that we've uh, alienated NCAA and ESPN, let's let's move back over and and just kind of close out uh, the year with Southern Miss and the year that that they've had under. Uh, Coach Barry, it's I'm a Southern Miss graduate. I'm a Southern Miss guy, so I'm disappointed in the way that it ended. Uh, we've talked about heartbreak and baseball, and for them to go one and two over the weekend was uh, disappointing. But what a great year the Eagles had, winning a conference uh, title during a regular season, winning the tournament title, and back to back just brilliant years. Great season, Scott does it fabulous job he's probably the most underpaid uh coach uh in mississippi when you consider the success he's had and the salary he makes uh and i just can't say enough about him uh they were just they were a pitcher too short they didn't have enough pitching that's the bottom line and and uh and they weren't playing their best in, at, in Fayetteville, I thought they, uh, you know, obviously anytime they ran Nick Sandlin out there, mm. they were probably going to win, which they did in the first round against Dallas Baptist. But uh, but after he pitched, it, 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 was, uh, it was a huge, huge drop-off. Um, and that, that ended up being what did them in. I, I'll tell you this, though, uh, before we get away from them, I've been watching college baseball and grew up on Southern Miss baseballs, and I've been watching it for over 50 years, and I've never seen a pitcher have a better season than Sandlin had. I mean, just what a remarkable, uh, you know, 10 and 0 ERA of about one, uh, 12 strikeouts for every walk. Uh, opponents hit 155 against him uh i don't you know i don't i don't know that any pitchers ever had a better season 
No, I'm not sure how you how you could. He was just, uh, as you said, and he set the tone that first Friday night. He matched up against Pilkington back against uh, Mississippi State. And really all the pub and publicity for good reason was about Pilkington coming in to that Friday yeah. night. It was kind of a question mark. Will Sandlin be able to go from the bullpen to a Friday night guy? Well, he answered that and continued to answer it throughout the year. Yeah, another pet peeve of mine besides the NCA and the scholarship limits is that, uh, uh, you know, a guy like Sandlin, who's 5'11 and probably weighs 190 pounds or maybe 185, uh, it, you know, the scouts just, he, he, he's not going to get that, which I think his slot is what, about 900,000? That's right. Uh, you know, Meanwhile, he outpitched about 15 or 16 guys who were going to get first-round money uh, and and really significantly more money than he, than he is going to make. And it's because of his size. And, you know, they're all looking for the 6'3", 6'4", 220-pound, broad-shouldered guy that uh, is, the, you know, prototypical major league pitcher. But, you know, I... I can name any number of guys that have been Sandlin size that have, you know, Greg Maddox mm-hmm. won 355 major league games. Uh, Tim Hudson's about Sandlin size. Uh, uh, Tom Glavin, you just go, you know, you go on and on. And some guys are just pitchers. Yeah. And, 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 and he, you know, and not only that, he's not only proved that he can, he can be a starter. He, his first season, he was a closer. His second season, he was more middle to long relief and closing. And then he became a starter. So he showed he can do all of it. I, I don't. Uh, I would have sure taken him in the first round if I'd have had a choice. Yeah, just he was lights out uh, for the Golden Eagles. And uh, we talked about you know Mississippi State and just the range of emotions and and they're playing uh, their best baseball at the right time. For Ole Miss and Southern Miss, the two current coaches, and we've touched on both, if, if they needed to feel better about themselves, can you just kind of speak to how far those programs have come over? And we can stretch that out really over the last 20 or 30 years. These programs, when you've mentioned Ryan Polk and Mississippi State, that's always uh, – kind of been the, the lead in the state and have, that that program's been there but can you talk to us about what you've seen out of Ole Miss and Southern Miss over the, the last few years here and how those programs have grown well if you go back you go back 25 years with both of those programs uh they were playing uh baseball at a stadium that had wooden bleachers mm-hmm. and a chicken wire backstop and weren't charging for admission. Uh, if you needed to use the bathroom, you had to walk down the street to a dormitory both places. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, uh, skyboxes and uh, luxury suites. That, that, <laughs> nobody even knew what those were. Uh, you know, uh, now Ole Miss had some good teams even back then, and, so, and Southern Miss had some, you know, they had their moments. But it was usually when they had uh, uh, just just so happened to have really good football players that also played baseball. You know, Archie Manning went with Ole Miss to a College World Series. Uh, the second best Southern Miss pitcher I've ever seen is Ray Guy. Hmm. You know, so but a lot of their success came from uh, athletes in other sports. Hey, hey, Donnie Kessinger, for that matter, at Ole Miss was mainly recruited to be a basketball player. Wow. So, uh, yeah, but both of those programs have come a long, long way. Uh, and, you know, you can't talk about college baseball in Mississippi without mentioning Delta State. I don't mm-hmm. think what, what, what their, their, their program is, uh, you know, it's one of the top four or five uh, Division two programs in the country on a year-in, year-out basis. And, uh Kennison does a great job there, and I've, I've never understood why some D1 school hadn't come in there and, and uh, latched on to him because he would win at any level uh, that you put him at. 
Yeah, Tim and Mississippi College both having uh, phenomenal years uh, oh, again MC, this year. Yeah, MC uh, came out of nowhere. I think it was like two years ago they won 13 or 14 games, and now they're uh, finished in the top – did they finish 15th in the nation? I believe, I believe that's correct. Yeah, they won the Gulf South Conference Tournament. Uh, terrific, terrific job. William Carey does a great job, too. Yes, they uh, do. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot of group, a lot of great college baseball, and, and I think in a column last week I talked about you know people always talk about us being a football state, but what we really are, when you get right down to it, is you're talking about success and support and all things uh, combined. We're we're more of a baseball state than we are a football state. Yeah, you look even locally, Hattiesburg wins a state championship this year. They have uh, Joe, Joe Gray, who gets drafted early last night. Phenomenal talent all around that Pine Belt area. The Guillen kid from uh, Brandon gets drafted uh, last night. So the high school level, junior college, we've mentioned, um, yeah, pretty good at baseball in the state of Mississippi. If I, add, yeah. if I ask you, Rick, the best uh, college baseball player, you've ever covered in our state, who would that be? Ah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm best college baseball mm-hmm. player I've ever covered. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be either Palmero or Clark. You know, on the same darn team too, huh? On the same team. Yeah. I always <laughs> kid. Yeah. Ron, Ron Polk's a really good friend of mine. Uh, and has been for a long time, but I always kidding that he had, Raphael Palmero, Will Clark, Jeff Brantley, and Bobby Thigpen on the same team that didn't win a college champion national championship. <laughs> With <laughs> friends know. like you, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, those, those, those were and and they also they also had a lot of other terrific players on that team. They, it's one of those times it's just baseball. They were probably the best team in the country that year. They just they didn't get the breaks. They didn't play their best at the right time. You know? And that is baseball. And I guess it's an SEC story. I don't know what I would call these things, but the thunder and lightning and being able to see, I believe it was like a comebacker or something came back and hit uh, one of their pitchers and kind of turned the tide from them possibly winning the whole thing that year. Oh, yeah. They were leading, uh, I believe it was Texas. It may have been Miami. Uh but it was back when they were the, the, you know, Texas, Miami, Mississippi State, Southern Cal, Arizona State were, were the really year-in, year-out great programs in college baseball. And it was either Texas or Miami that State was up on, and the, uh, there was a ball hit back through the middle, and it hit the pitcher in the ankle, and he had to come out of the game, and, and it was all downhill after that. And as you've said a couple of times, that's baseball. Rick, if it was a time that you were going with your dad and, and your past, or if you were taking your son, a venue or a place to go watch baseball that's special to, to you or your family? Um, well, you know, I grew up watching uh, where, where the UPM practice field is now, uh, football practice field. Uh, the, uh, I, it didn't even really have a name. It was the USM Baseball Park. Uh, but that's where I grew up watching it and where, uh, heck, I was keeping Eddie's scorebook at, uh, at nine years old, uh, <laughs> sitting behind that chicken wire fence. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, I'll, that'll always be special. I guess my favorite college baseball experience I mean, if you went for the, the old Duty Noble, when when it really did have the, all the uh, pickup trucks and truck beds out in left field and uh, uh, trailers and everything else and uh, the smoke coming in from the outs. I mean, that some of those regionals back, uh, I remember one in particular where State uh, beat Washington uh, in a in just an incredible uh, regional. Uh, those were some, that, that was special. But each ballpark, each I mean the 
Ole Miss has got an incredible situation there. Uh, Southern Miss and uh, the Pete and the Roost mm-hmm. and uh, and the new the new Duty Noble is going to be a palace. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what that's going to be like. Yeah, it looks like it. Just seeing online that it, like as you described, that it's going to just be uh, something else. Sometimes it's hard to replace the character in parks, as, as you've also. Uh, oh, they're, ne- they're, ne- they're never going to replace the character of the old Duty Noble. I don't, I don't, I don't think. Uh, and and maybe that's progress. Maybe it's not. That's that's not for me to decide. <laughs> Well, speaking of progress, Rick, tell our listeners uh, where they can find you. Uh, we know that you're a columnist with the Mississippi Today. The best way to follow and find, man, the gems that you put out. It's still exciting when I'm, I'm following you on Twitter and you put something out there. We, I've, I'm 37. I can remember. I mean, you were always the first article I went and found uh, for my sporting news. So this has been a kick in the backside for me to get to uh, visit with you. Uh, for Jeff and I to have you on with us tonight, but tell our listeners where well, they can I've go enjoyed. find you. Uh, well, I've, I write three or four times a week on. Uh, it's a digital newspaper, Mississippi Today, and you can find it at uh, MississippiToday.org. And uh, you can on that website, you can sign up for the daily uh, newsletter that they'll send out that gives you links to whatever I write. But uh, and then I also write a syndicated column that uh, runs around the state uh, once a week uh, in papers like the Sun Herald on the coast and uh, the Meridian Star and the Tupelo, uh, but but in papers all over the state that uh, usually runs on Wednesdays or Thursdays and uh, and that's the only way to read me in print now because the Mississippi Today is just just digital. But I still enjoy it. I'm 65, and, uh, I mean, things like this weekend, uh, the passion and everything that college baseball brings, if, if I didn't still love it, I wouldn't be doing it, I'll tell you that much. And that that was really terrific this weekend. And the entire college baseball season has been fun to watch. It has been. And, uh, Rick, we certainly appreciate your time this evening. If we haven't messed it up too bad, maybe we can get you on again down the road. Oh, that would be great. Y'all just holler it. Thank you, Rick. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Rick Cleveland for joining us. And that uh, was an awesome opportunity for us and great insight uh, from Rick Cleveland as usual. And, um Jeff, that kind of wraps us up, man, for our first season here um, on Talking Ball. This will be our sixth episode, and we've, uh, I think, given our listeners good guests, good uh, content. It's certainly a work in progress and something we're learning and uh, having a lot of fun with. I hope, if nothing else, our listeners can hear the fun that we're having and will continue to hang with us. We're going to take a little break as summer is here. And then we're going to come back and we're going to hit it hard for football, man. We have a lot of good things planned uh, for the football season. Our listeners can be anticipating some great uh, local coverage, statewide coverage. Um, I really think that we're going to be able to blanket our area and then some with our football coverage. And that coverage will begin at the end of July, early August. We will have – wall-to-wall football we we haven't touched on that hasn't really been in season for that although we did start our first uh episode with Neil all over it over at Hancock but we will um I'm really excited about the opportunities that are there and the things that we can uh, provide our listeners if you would in the meantime if you would go out to our Facebook page uh, or to our website subscribe to the podcast we've done six of these we realize some of them have been long go back and catch up on the ones that uh, maybe you haven't finished or haven't listened to um subscribe um to us on itunes there we're in the meantime we're gonna get on uh some different places where you can get 
get this uh, podcast that's going to help people with Android phones and different devices. We're going to try to put the podcast on as many locations as we can. We're going to try to do some different things in this break on the Facebook page, maybe put some videos out, uh, some different teasers going into the season. But uh, we certainly appreciate uh, Robertson Brothers for their early sponsorship uh, and sponsoring this first season. And we appreciate our listeners. We've been blown away uh, by the amount of listeners that uh, have tuned in and have enjoyed these podcasts, the uh, uh, positive comments that we've heard, and then also the uh, constructive criticism. Look, my ears are always open to be able uh, to try to improve the product. And uh, we just appreciate it, Jeff. I, I appreciate you, man. You, um, if, if people don't know, I can't plug in a headset. So uh, without you, man, I'd be talking to this uh, table right here. So I certainly always appreciate uh, you getting us ready, you getting us on, and then uh, our banner back and forth has been fun. Yep, and we like, like Clay had mentioned, we've got some things uh, uh, kind of in the works. We're going to try to iron some things out and – and uh, try to reach out to some other avenues and streams uh, to try to, to provide this podcast uh, wherever podcasts can be listened and picked up. So we're going to try to uh, put it out uh, wherever we can. There's just a few hurdles we got to jump through and get some things done to do that. But um, nothing that can't be accomplished in a, a little bit of time, just waiting on some stuff to come through. So uh, in the meantime, we got uh, we got some other things to uh, to work out and to get through to – to get ready for football season. So football season is where it's going to be kicked up. So uh, we'll see season two coming up at the uh, end of July, 1st of August. Yep, we'll be talking ball y'all soon for season two. Thank you.